Thanks for tuning in to Freedom House Podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this church as we change our world one life at a time. We'd love to stay connected with you by following us on social media at Freedom House OC, as well as our YouTube channel. Let's listen in on today's message. Come on, God is working on our behalf at all times. Clap because he fights your battles. God goes before us, and if God is before us, who cares who's against us? Amen? So good. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Amen. Well, again, good morning. My name is Josiah Silva, the lead pastor of Freedom House Church. So great to have you with us. We're one church that meets in three locations, Fullerton, Costa Mesa, and live online. We're live with our Costa Mesa Church. Come on, you give God a hand clap. What's up, Costa Mesa? Welcome. So good to have all our churches together. It's going to be an incredible Sunday. Before I do go into the message part, I just want to take a moment. You know, this weekend is a long weekend. Martin Luther King holiday is tomorrow. I want to take a moment to honor Dr. King, who was uh, a pastor. He was a man of God, but he stood for racial equality, social justice about how racism is a terrible thing in our day and age. And I just want to take a moment to say racism has no place in humanity. Yeah, come on, somebody. He stood for the black community, but also for all minorities, every color of skin under heaven. So I just want to take a moment to honor Dr. King and say that we should always live. God loves every color under heaven. Can I get a big amen, all right? And so we're all a beautiful bouquet of flowers. And tomorrow as you enjoy a day off, just teach your children how we love everybody. Can we get a good amen, all right? So good. Well, hey, today is a great Sunday because I actually have on assignment is I asked my wife to minister a specific message that, that she, we had been talking about and, and it's been on her heart. And it's regarding, we're talking about rebuilding, but we're going to talk about breaking soul ties. And so this morning, my wife, Pastor Marie, is going to share a word. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be powerful. And this woman of God is anointed. And uh, I know it's going to be awesome. So would you welcome Pastor Marie Silva? She preaches the word this morning. Come on, woman of God. Come on, come on, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and put that there in front of me. I am so blessed and so honored to be sharing the word this morning. I know that God has placed this on my heart. Don't worry. Put your seatbelt on. It's going to be okay because we're going in today. Is that all right? Yes, it is. Well, before I even begin, I just want to give honor where honor is due to my husband, my pastor, my leader, Pastor Josiah. Can we just give it up for that amazing man of God? I love him so much. And let me tell you, that man pushes me into my greatness. That man, I am his, I proudly say, I thankfully say that I am his number one disciple. That man loves me. He believes in me. Sometimes I think he believes in me more than I believe in myself. And I'm just so grateful to have a man that is not intimidated or afraid or feels like he has to dominate, but he actually leads me to a greater level in my life and the calling of my life and the anointing that's over my life. Can we just thank God for an amazing, strong man of God like that? I love him so much. Yes, I'm a woman of authority, but I am also a woman under authority. Amen? Amen. And all the ladies said... Amen. Amen. (laughs) Well, we're on this Daniel fast, and I know the Lord has just been doing amazing things already in my life. Is he doing amazing things in your life? I know he is. Come on, Costa Mesa campus, online campus. You're joining us in the 21-day fast. God is doing such amazing, amazing things. I'm going to go ahead and let you take your seats for right now. 
And uh, God has been speaking to me, and I feel that the word I am delivering to you today is so important. And uh, let me begin by saying this. There's nothing more tragic than a locked up, tied up, guilt-ridden Christian. And I've been all three of those things. And I had to go through a process of allowing the Holy Spirit to align, reveal, and get to the bottom of things so that I can experience my freedom. And not just in my relationship with God, but a peace in fulfilling the will of God in my life. So many Christians that feel forgiven, they feel loved, they feel grace, but they don't feel free. And they don't feel permission to fulfill the big God factor in their lives. Almost like it's easier to fulfill the big dream outside of the will of God than to fulfill the calling in the will of God. Are you hearing me today? Because you're so tied up, you're so guilt-ridden, you can ignore it when you're fulfilling something outside of the will of God. And, and, and a lot of it has to do with surrounding yourself with critical people. <laughs> Maybe seeing how people handle other people's failures and it scares you. You know, uh, maybe seeing how people handle uh, uh, when other people's failures are published online or when somebody's, you know, stuff hits the fan and you see other people's reactions, people that are close to you and you see how judgmental and hard they are and it makes you kind of draw back like, man, you know, if they're so judgmental about them, I wonder how they'd be about me if they knew my stuff. That's not even as bad as what mine was. But a lot of it has to do with your thought life and your personal issues your personal reasonings on how you measure your issues, how you measure God's forgiveness over your life, others' forgiveness over your life, and your self-forgiveness. So why are we so tied up inside from doing all God has called us to do? Let's talk about that, yes? Go to your Bibles with me. I want to read to you this verse. Go with me to... Nehemiah chapter 2 we're going to read verses 17 through 20 and it says then I said to them and this is Nehemiah speaking you see the trouble we are in Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burnt with fire come let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace I also tell them about the gracious hand of God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But, what, but when Sambalot and Her the Heronite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? And Nehemiah says, I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. I said, the God of heaven will give us success. The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. Then he says to those people that mocked him, but as for you, you have no place. You have no share 
in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. Let me tell you something, church. God wants to rebuild the ruins in your life. God wants to rebuild the ruins in your life. You know how I know that? Because He's rebuilt mine. And I've been on this thought about what my husband just said, soul ties. What's a soul tie? An ungodly soul tie is when you get involved with someone or something in an intimate and ungodly way that affected your soul negatively. Some examples, divorces, controlling family, physical, mental, or sexual abuse, wrong friendships, labels, promiscuity, wrong business partner or mentorship. You see, the repercussions of these lies can harm your soul, which, what is your soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. Makes you feel alone, like you're the only person going through this. Don't you ever feel that when you're going through something that you're the only person going through it in the entire world? The devil loves to isolate you, likes to make you feel fearful in your isolation so that you're not even at peace while you have that space around you. He wants you to be all in your head and the shame and the guilt will leave you lonely and lead you down a path of depression. And what is depression? A severe loss of hope and courage and deep sadness. That's what the devil wants for us. He wants us to abandon our church, abandon our community. He wants us to abandon what we know that we believe. He wants to abandon truth so that we're locked up and tied up and unable to fulfill what he has placed in our lives. But aren't you thankful? There's a way out. There's a pathway to freedom and wholeness and it's all in the Word of God. So here's what I feel. Here's what I feel. If we're going to have a year of rebuilding, restoring, and reviving, then we have to get free from anything that's keeping us bound up. I want to talk to you about breaking soul ties and a message I've entitled Freedom from my soul ties. Freedom from my soul ties. The rebuilt life. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for every person that's here, every person that's logging in. I thank you for the Costa Mesa campus. I thank you that we're all here right now. And I thank you, Lord, that you're going to be speaking to us, ministering to us. And Lord, I pray, this is my prayer, Lord that we don't leave the same way that we walked in, that we leave with more freedom, we leave with more truth, we, we leave with more authority, we leave knowing how much you love us, are for us. And I thank you, Lord, for this blessed opportunity and responsibility to minister your word. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen. amen. Come on, let's do a little better than that. Say amen. So I went through this time where my neck kept coming out of alignment and needing adjustment. 
We got a chiropractor right here in the front row. <laughs> kept coming out of alignment. And I kept going to the chiropractor, and I kept going to the chiropractor. And I was saying, you know, can you fix me again? Can you fix me again? And he's like, man, you know, it's the same spot. What's going on? And we were trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out. And then finally, the, doc, the, the chiropractor asked me this. He goes, okay, let me ask you this. What pillow are you sleeping on? And I said, well, you know, it's funny you ask, because my husband and I, we just recently got matching pillows. And it works for him, but it doesn't quite work for me. It's kind of, you know, I, I feel a little neck ache in the morning. And he says, well, what works for him won't work for you. And he's like, you keep coming to get alignment, and I keep aligning you, but the problem isn't your neck. The problem isn't something in your body. The problem is that you keep going back to that old pillow. Am I talking to anybody today? <laughs> he said, get rid of the pillow. And you know, it seems so funny and it seems so easy, but you don't realize what you're going through, what's happening in your life when, you've been, when you're just so used to living with it. And could it be the problem is we are being negatively affected by accepting and living with the wrong things in our lives. You know, we keep coming to the altar and coming to the altar and we feel free and we feel delivered and we feel the love of God and we feel the power of God, but we're going back to those old pillows. We're going back to those old ways. We're going back to those old mindsets. We're going out back to those old relationships. And then we come back in church and we're wondering why we got the spiritual kink in our neck because we keep going back to those old things that God keeps trying to deliver us from. And then we blame it on God because we don't realize the old mess that we're in. You see, in the verses we just read, Nehemiah and his people had been living in those ruins. It was in ruins for a hundred years. Each time there was an attempt to rebuild it, the enemy would come and halt their process. And the people had accepted, listen to this, the people had accepted the ruins as their normal. You see, just because something is common does not mean it's normal. Just because a stronghold wasn't made in your lifetime does not mean it doesn't affect your lifeline. And to the people in this time, their ruins were hiding in plain sight. And they couldn't see it. So for those of you taking notes, I have my first point for you, and I'd love for you to write this down. My first point is, soul ties cannot be cut until they are identified. You can't cut something you don't see. You can't rebuke something you don't know. You can't be delivered from something that you're oblivious to. Nehemiah 2.7, he says, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and the gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. So Nehemiah came and said this in verse 17, don't you see the trouble we are in? Nehemiah was trying to get the people to not be comfortable with what was ruining them. Don't be comfortable with what's ruining you. 
Don't go back to what's ruining you. Don't go back to the same thing, the same relationship, the same mindset, the same habits. Don't go back to what's ruining you. If you know you have an issue, identify it and don't accept it that that's just the way I am. Well, that may be the way you are right now, but that's not the way God created you from the beginning of time. And he had to... He had to wake them up to their mess because they became familiar with the ruins and didn't realize the effects it had on them. And not just them, the effects it had on their parents, the effects it had on their children, and the long-term effects it will have on their grandchildren living in those ruins. Because those ruins represented defeat. Nehemiah had traveled 800 miles from Persia to Jerusalem. He was serving Antaxerxes in Persia, and he, his heart was burning for what, ha- what was going on with his people in Jerusalem. It was an 800-mile journey to do the work of rebuilding the walls and the people. And the people. If you think that Nehemiah's job was to just rebuild the walls, you missed it entirely. Nehemiah was called to rebuild the people that were living in ruins. Leading them to victory every day rather than defeat. He wanted them to wake up and see rebuilt walls of Jerusalem. He did not want them to see ruins and defeat. Let me ask you this. When you wake up in the morning and when you look in the mirror, what do you see? Do you see ruins? Do you see defeat? Or do you see a rebuilt life and victory? That means people were comfortable living with it until Nehemiah said he has permission from the king to rebuild. So he came saying, I have permission, I have a letter, permission from the king to rebuild these walls. And I need some Christians today that are living in ruins, but you're standing here saying, I have a letter from the king of kings and the Lord of lords that I have permission to rebuild everything that has been torn down from generation to generation in my family, in my mom, in my dad, in my grandparents. I have permission to rebuild you have permission to be healed permission to be free but you can't be free from the ties that bind you until you identify what it is that has locked you up and tied you up you see I started a journey on studying soul ties I've been studying it for a few months now And I read a few books, and here's some truths that I extracted from it to help you identify. So again, for those of you taking notes, here's 13 facts about soul ties. You ready? Are you ready? Yes, amen. Come on. You got to give me some more amens than this. Come on, 930. Here we go. There's a reason why they're called ties, because they are ties and knots that have been made that hold you back from your destiny. 
They are soul, again, mind, will, and emotions. They are the soul that is tied up to a person, a memory, a trauma, a pain, a relationship, an ex, a sin. Ties you up to it so that every time you get that big God dream, you get excited. But when it's time to step into it, you get rubber banded. No, I can't. I can't go that far. Here's the first one. 13 facts about soul ties, ungodly soul ties. They suppress destinies, purpose of God, and have frustrated the dreams of many men and women of God. So they suppress destinies and purposes of God and have frustrated the dreams of many men and women of God. Number two, they cause you to come to the altar over and over with no change. Because you're pouring out your moment, but you're not cutting the tie. You're pouring out how you feel about that tie, but you won't cut the tie. Number three, it will cause you to accept and cope rather than commit and confront. It will cause you to accept and cope rather than commit and confront. Number four, a soul tie will cause you to be entangled and affected, listen to this, by the will, emotions, and desires of someone else. Well, they wanted me to do it. Well, he said he would like me more if. Well, their expectation of me is, well, I just went along with it. Number five, people get involved in soul ties. Listen to this, when they lose focus and try to live more than one lifestyle. Ouch. It's okay, you can say ouch, amen. <laughs> Let me tell you, light and darkness cannot mix. Should I say that one again? People get involved in soul ties when they lose focus and try to live more than one lifestyle. I got one foot in, I got one foot out, I got one foot in, and you shake it all about. You are living the hokey pokey. <laughs> Again, light and darkness cannot mix. Living for God and having hidden sins do not mix. There has to be a line where you say, Lord, I need to give this to you. Okay, number six, an entanglement in someone else's belief. What is, what is a soul tie? An entanglement in someone else's belief of life and Christianity that does not settle as truth to you. So in relationships and mentorships, an entanglement with this person that has their own belief on life and Christianity that does not, that does not settle as truth to you. Because you'll have soulish friendships and relationships and you'll never connect spiritually, just soulishly. You'll connect emotionally. They'll give emotional advice, never spiritual and biblical discernment and direction. Or they'll give you advice that twists the word of God and pulls you away from where God has planted you. I've seen it happen. Highest of importance 
in godly relationships is that the other person is committed to your spiritual growth. Not to pull you away from the call of God, not to pull you away from the church, not to pull you away from your doctrine or your leaders or authority. God has placed you there for a reason. God has spoken to you. And when you know in your knower, when you know in your gut that this is pulling you away in a direction that's decreasing you and not increasing you in the things of God, that's when you know. When you know that there's a fog and confusion, you're watching things on TV or you're watching, you know, other people say certain things about doctrine you're like, man, that just, it's so unsettling, but it's enticing. You are creating soul ties with that doctrine. You're creating soul ties with that person. And you are trying to rewrite your truth. That's a bad soul tie. 2 Timothy 3, 6 through 7, it says, they are, kind of, they are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning, listen to this, verse 7, always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. So you're always, want, tickle my ears, tell me, I want to learn, 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 but you're never changing. That's when you know it's not the right truth. The truth will set you free. The truth will divide. The truth will bring clarity. 1 Corinthians 15.33, it says, Do not be deceived or misled. Evil companionship, which is communion and associations, corrupt and depraved good manners, morals, and character. Manners, morals, and character. Okay, number seven. Soul issues are the source. Okay, this is a long one. Okay, you ready? Soul issues are the source of the majority of our battles. Mind, will, and emotions. Those are majority. Of, if the enemy can control your will, he can control your wants. You're asking God for the desires of your heart, but they are not in alignment with his desires for your life. Ungodly soul ties to unauthorized people and things outside of the will of God. See, God is not obligated to fulfill your will. He is 100% committed to getting you committed to what he's assigned you to. Wrong prayers are, Lord, why aren't you answering my prayers for this man of God I want, or this man I want, for this woman I want, for this friend I want? Well, maybe... Maybe God removed them so you, maybe God removed them so God can heal your soul. Come on, I, I need a little bit more amen than that. Maybe God removes certain things from your life because he wants to heal you of soul ties. Maybe you have a neediness inside of you. Maybe you have something that God wants to heal you from and that person is not going to heal you. It's just going to fill a temporary gap. I had to break a tie from a best friend when I was younger when all we did was gossip. I, we, we, uh, that friendship, you know, ended because of life and, and she moved or whatnot. I don't remember what happened. But I was left with this soul tie and this issue of gossip. See, just because the person is removed from your life doesn't mean that you're not left with the tie strand still to that person or still to that issue or still to that ugliness. I had to say, I don't want to gossip about people. That's not me. That's not what God created me to do. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I confess that. I repent. And boom, 
I married a man who never gossips. And I'm like, wait, you don't, you don't want to hear it? And he's like, no, I don't want to hear anything. Don't tell me. Stop right there. And I'm like, that helped me too. Surround yourself with people that don't like to gossip. I'm like, this is a juicy one. He's like, I don't care. It's a really good one. <laughs> well, praise God. Surround yourself with the right people. Okay, number eight. Causes irrational thinking and reasoning. Soul ties cause irrational thinking and reasoning. That's when you look at someone who's deep in their sin or deep in their ways, and you could have the most prominent people speak it into their life, and you're saying, you know what, I want to tell you till I'm blue in the face, and they just look at you with this blank look. And they say, I'm just going to do what I want to do. This is what I want to do, and that's it. Yeah, I hear you, but I don't care. Yeah, that's what I want to do. You're ruining people's lives. I don't care. You're hurting your family. I don't care. You're giving up everything in the Lord. Yeah. Irrational thinking and reasoning. I've seen it before. Everything that I just said to you right now, I've said to someone. And everything I responded with is what they said back to me. They don't see it when they're in it. You can't see the ruins when you're living in it. Number nine, obsessions, infatuations can take up the thought life that supersedes the truth in God's word. So obsessions and infatuations can take up the thought life that supersedes the truth in God's word. When you meditate more on that relationship, that sin, that abuse memory, that obsession with the person, that infatuation that supersedes who God is in your life. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you what God wants you to think about. Philippians 4.8, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. And those are the filters that we need to have when we're considering bringing someone into our life. Is this relationship going to give you glory, God? Will this person bring me closer to Christ? How can this relationship better serve your kingdom? The Bible says two are better than one. Lord, is this the one that will make me better, that will make us better together? Lord, are you pleased with this person on my heart? Is it you putting this person on my heart? Or is my flesh forcing this person into my life? Are you speaking to my spirit or am I trying to reason with my soul? Hallelujah. Number 10, soul ties keeps you out of order and silences your spirit. See, the world says body, soul, and spirit, but in God, it's spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit should be leading your soul and your body. It keeps you out of order and silences the be quiet, spirit, because your spirit knows. Your spirit is in communion with the Lord. Your spirit is, is, wants to be in alignment. Your spirit is the one that's crying out to your soul and to your body. Come on, do the right thing. Come on. And shh, be quiet. I'm going to do what I want to do. You can't hear your spirit when your soul is in charge, when your flesh is in charge. Number 11, when the soul rules, irrational thinking follows. Number 12, causes you to live in the past. Listen to this one. This is a good one. This is a, number 12, causes you to live in the past 
so that only your body is in the present. You're so busy guarding yourself from the past, you have no time to work on your future. You live backwards. You're trying to suppress things from the past so much that you're facing the wrong direction. You're walking backwards. You think you're going forward, but you're going to fall any moment because you're not watching where God wants you to go. And you cannot fight the devil for your future because you're so busy fighting him over your past. I've been there. I understand. Don't feel guilty for being that way. Know that God wants to heal you. And that was a transitional moment in my life when I realized that God does not want me looking back and going forward. He wants me looking forward and going forward. And you are much more powerful in your life. You, are mu- you take up much more ground and you go much faster with the freedom that you have when you know that God doesn't just hold your future. He has taken care of everything behind you too. You don't have to look over your shoulder because he guards you in the front, in the back, and the left, and the right. And when I'm with Jesus, when I'm in the will of God, I am in the safest place. Don't live backwards. And last one, number 13, unforgiveness, ouch, bitterness, envy, and other, negatively, uh, and other negativity reinforces the soul tie. So unforgiveness, bitterness, envy, and other negativity reinforces the soul tie. It just adds to the tightness of your knot. I don't want to forgive I want to feel this way because I'm allowed to feel this way. I deserve to feel this way. He shouldn't have it. I should have it. He offended me. He shouldn't be in that position. She shouldn't be up there. I should be up there. She shouldn't have him. I should have him. Reinforces the soul tie. Every knot, listen now, every knot has to be undone. That's why it takes so long. That's why it feels so hard. And that's why it hurts so much. And that's why it'll be the greatest freedom you've ever experienced in your life. Come on, give glory to God. Amen. And now that you've identified what a soul tie may be in your life, now you can do the work to cut it, to break it, to sever it, to go on. And I have some sub points here, and we'll go through them quickly. So point number two, how to cut a soul tie. Don't accept it as normal. Don't accept it as normal. Don't accept your ruins as normal. Psalm 43, 5, it says, why, my soul, are you downcast? This is David talking to himself. Why so disturbed within me? And then he transitions and says this, put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. You see, David questioned his irrational moment and thinking, why am I feeling this way? This is not the way I should be feeling. This is not how God wants me to feel. This is not the freedom that I want to experience. You know, it's okay to feel those things, but it's not okay to live in those things. So he questioned, he said, I know what to do. I know what to do. And listen, when you have a negative thought, when you have a a downcast soul, when you have depression that wants to just lay over you, you have to question and say, why am I feeling this way? And you allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. And then you come back with the word of God, like David says, he says, put, 
put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him. So he aligned his hope. He got his praise on. My savior, meaning you are my savior. You save me and my God. You have to dismantle your soul's coping mechanisms and let God restore hope. Dismantle your soul's coping mechanisms and let God restore hope. Perhaps you haven't realized the coping life you've been living and leading dismantled your hope. It activated your coping. And you've wondered why relationships don't work out for you or nothing good ever happens to you or you're stuck. Soul ties and strongholds don't pull you forward. They tie you down. You thought this whole time you've been protecting yourself, but you've really led a coping mechanism, mechanism, I made up a word, coping mechanism to life. And you've lost hope because maybe the thing you keep praying about doesn't go away. And I felt that way. Again, I've been there. And let me tell you, don't lose hope in God. Don't lose. If you're going to be tied to anything, be tied to the word of God. If you're going to be tied to anything, be tied to the scriptures. If you're going to be tied to anything, be tied to worship. If you're going to be tied to anything, be tied to praise. Be tied to prayer. Be tied to the truth that is within you, that you know that Jesus is there. Don't just cope. Activate your hope. Activate your hope. And let me tell you, you see me up here, you see me, you know, preaching, you're like, oh, wow, you know, she must have it all together. Any other pastor, oh, they must have it together. Let me tell you a secret, or it's not a secret. You don't know the devils I've had to fight. You don't know the mind battles I've had to overcome. You don't know how many times I had to swing in the dark and say, devil, get ye behind me with tears in my eyes and saying, Lord, get me through this. I need you. You don't know. You don't know. And you, you have no idea, you know, uh, uh, the, the strongholds I've had to break in my family line from generation to generations back. You have no idea the ugliness that is in my generations, molestation and rape and all kinds of ugly stuff that is in my family line where I say, oh, you know what, Lord, you have to disqualify me because I'm not from the right family. I had a Gideon moment, you know. I'm not, I, oh, you know, God, I don't think I can do all that you called me to do. The Lord says, I break that in you right now. I'm not asking you to ask me permission to be qualified. I'm qualifying you. All I'm asking you to do is to step into your destiny, step into your future, step into everything that I've called you to, repent, renounce, pray, trust me in everything. And I realize, oh my goodness, I don't trust God as much as I think I do. And I had to tell the Lord, God, forgive me. I don't trust you as much as I thought I did. And I had to go back and say, why don't I trust you? Where, where was that trust not as potent as it should be? And I began to go through this process of praying, renouncing, repenting, and getting healed from things. Because I didn't want God to just fix the symptoms. I wanted him to get to the core Word of God says that he sent his word and healed our disease. God, I don't want medication. I want a diagnosis. I want to know what it is where all this came from. 
so that I can speak into that dark place. I can expose the enemy. I can expose the lie. And you can break it in Jesus' name. So I went through this process. And in conversation with the Lord, in the middle of my messy brokenness, I told the Lord, Lord, I have soul ties. And whether I willingly tied them to my tied them to myself or someone tied themselves to me. But regardless of who did the tying, it's my responsibility to untie it. You can't tell your abuser to come and untie or cut the tie. You have to cut the tie. My deliverance is not based on someone else's surrender. It's based on my surrender. And let me tell you this, my next sub-point, forgive every memory as they come. Forgive every memory as they come. You know why forgiveness is so hard? Or you say, I thought I already forgave that person. Has everybody ever said that before? But all those emotions and things come up? Because you have to forgive every memory as they come. There's layers of memories, emotions, offenses, and pain and every time they come, you have to forgive that. And that's why it feels so fresh and all the emotions start flooding in because it's like ripping a scab off. And maybe you need to forgive that memory offense. Forgive the effects. Maybe forgive the effects that that offense had over your life. Well, I'm this way now because 30 years ago, I hate that person. I hate what they did. You have to forgive have to forgive so I was in my room and I was praying and I told the Lord I see them as strongholds and ties and they are rubber banding me back to my fears and my mind battles and it's a great start to be aware but the process of freedom is next you got to find the root and commit to the process of healing find the root and commit to the process of healing what is the process of healing? There's many things, but one thing is you need to say the prayer of naming and renouncing, repenting, confessing, forgiving, and commit to that process of healing. Commit to that process of healing. And if you want to be free, you've got to get the revelation that God is in agreement with you. And listen, next sub point, know that God is with you and it helps tremendously to bring a trustworthy, godly person on the journey with you. Whether it be a counselor, a therapist, a best friend, make sure that they have a relationship with Jesus so that they can lead you to the truth that is in God's word. Have somebody hold your hand and be agreement with you because it'll be broken when two or three are, in the, are gathered there. He is in the midst. Come on, two is better than one. Just having someone agree with you. I had to find someone. I had to hold their hand and I said, let's pray and agree with me that this is done and over in my life. That I'm gonna commit to what God has called me to do. And I'm going to commit so much. And I'm going to commit to having no fear. And if the worst happens, I still have God. I'm not going to think suicidal. I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to stop mothering. I'm not going to stop wifing. I'm not going to stop being a woman of God. I'm not going to stop believing and praying. I am not moving from this spot, Lord. I am going to continue.
you. No matter what the enemy throws my way, I am committed to my healing. I'm committed to fulfilling your call. I'm committed to the will of God and make the choice that no matter what the enemy throws away, you're still going to serve God and do all he's called you to do. And if I can make it through yesterday, I can make it through today. Hallelujah. Sometimes you got to tell yourself that. And last thing, make a lifelong commitment to not be tied up again. I'd love to tell you that it was gone once and for all. But let me tell you, deliverance is maintenance. That's why you can't doubt your deliverance because it's there. But it just needs some maintenance. Maintenance. You have to remind yourself when triggers come. Because triggers will come. They'll remind you of where you were. Don't go back to that place. Say, nope, God healed me. This is the scripture he gave me. This is the song that broke out in my heart. This is the person that agreed with me. This is the moment I had. This is the day I wrote it down. And I know that I know that I know that I am healed. And I know that I know that I know that God has called me to a place of deliverance and healing. So I can do what he has called me to do. It's for freedom that he set us free. Stand firm then, Galatians 5.1. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Don't be burdened again. John 8.36, if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Means in totality. And just because you confront a soul tie doesn't mean you don't have to fight it again. The devil is always going to want you to be tied up again. You hear me? You have to refuse to be tied up again. But Nehemiah said in 2.20, he said, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. What do you need to start rebuilding in your life? What do you need to start rebuilding in your life and knowing that God will give me success? God, you need to walk in and say, this is hard work. There's a lot to be done. I'm living in ruins. Oh, but God will give me success. You are not too far gone. You'll experience seasons of freedom and you'll experience moments where you're down. But don't give up. Don't give up. Some days are harder than others. Oh, but God is with you and God will give you success. God will give me success. Come on, let's stand to our feet. God will give you success in everything that you're going through and everything that you see in your life. You gotta believe and know that God will give you success. Success. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can be seven years old. You could be 77 years old and have soul ties. Be bound up. Don't say, well, I didn't do it back then, so it's no need to do No. Do it. Get through it. I want to pray for you right now. Will you just lift your hands before the Lord? This spoke to you. I know it did. I know God said something into your spirit. Say, Lord, I repent. I renounce ties that have held me back from fulfilling all Come on, say it again. All that you have called me to. I am ready in 2021 to begin to rebuild, restore, and revive everything, everything that the devil has stolen from me. I'm going to live 
I'm not gonna die. I'm gonna thrive. In Jesus' name, come on, everybody, shout amen. 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 Thanks for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by this message. Show us your support by sharing your favorite podcast on social media and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Freedom House OC today. See you next week.